This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Uh, hi, this is Don Marrero. Yes, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Listen up, kids. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Mike Lucas. I kind of put a phone in my old uh, bedroom at my parents' house, and I just turned the volume down on it, and I used that as my phone base, and I just oh. lived on the road for like probably about four years, three or four years. Got to Chicago, started doing Second City and Improv Olympics. We'll hear more from Mike in just a bit. We have another installment of What Kind of Nonsense Is That? But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. The outgoing Namibian president, Pohamba, has won the world's most valuable individual award, the Mo Ibram Prize for African Leadership. The $5 million award is given each year to an elected leader who governed well, raised living standards, and then left office. It is significantly larger than the $1 million prize Liberian President Charles Taylor awarded to himself in 1983 from the country's treasury. Duck Dynasty patriarch Phil Robertson's speech at CPAC brought down the house last weekend. Sadly, that was just a metaphor. In a speech to the U.S. Congress, Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu, who was invited by House Republicans and not by the U.S. head of state, President Barack Obama, warned that a deal under discussion on Iran's nuclear program could pave Iran's path to the bomb rather than block it. The speech wasn't as contentious as some thought it was going to be, though, with Netanyahu finishing his address by saying, Will you please, please, please attack Iran for us? What's another endless Middle East war for you guys? Two American football players say they will donate their brains to medical research after their deaths. Scientists are also hoping that members of Congress will do the same. Lockheed Martin's 30-kilowatt fiber laser weapon system successfully disabled the engine of a small truck during a recent field test, demonstrating the rapidly evolving precision capability to protect military forces and critical infrastructure. Engineers were very excited when the truck's engine was disabled, but then discovered they had actually been aiming at an old Dodge. Alabama Supreme Court has ordered the state's judges to stop issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples, even if they are brother and sister or first cousins. Well, of course, if they were brothers and sisters, and they wouldn't be same-sex. Oh, well, that, it's a lame joke, I know. You, you all probably tired of hearing those jokes. Prospective Republican presidential candidate and neurosurgeon Dr. Ben Carson is getting quite a bit of scientific pushback for his comments that being gay is a choice and citing prisons as evidence. In response to Carson's comments, the American Cliché Council has revoked the use of it's not brain surgery as a metaphor for describing something that takes a lot of intelligence. Scientists have unearthed the jawbone of what they claim is one of the very first humans. The specimen is 2.8 million years old. The cause of death could not be determined, but will be investigated on an upcoming episode of the new PBS series CSI, Ancient Crime Scene Investigation. In its investigation of the Ferguson, Missouri Police Department, the Justice Department said it found direct evidence of racial bias in emails from interviews with influential Ferguson decision makers, including police commanders and court supervisors, all of whom are current employees. Several officials expressed discriminatory views and intolerance with regard to race, religion, and national origin. The report also concluded that water was wet. A House Investigative Committee said it has records containing two different email addresses used by former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton. It issued subpoenas Wednesday to find out more about Clinton's use of her private email system to conduct public business. 
Congressional Republicans called for the investigation immediately about finding out about the emails. We'll have to see where this Clinton email thing goes, but one thing is for sure, it won't make Ted Cruz, Chris Christie, Ben Carson, Scott Walker, or Bobby Jindal any less crazy. Democrats, by the way, pointed out that former Secretary of State Colin Powell also used his personal emails in the same capacity while he was at the State Department, but Republicans were quick to point out that they didn't like Colin Powell either. And that's been Fake News with me. It's time for another installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? Okay, so people are getting really, really impatient with Barack Obama. Why won't this guy attack ISIS and get us involved in another endless Middle East war? Okay, well, Reverend Frank Graham, that's Billy's kid, um, he has an idea of why this is happening, and he appeared on Bill O'Reilly's show. And uh, But this is kind of a, a weird conversation uh, on the Bill O'Reilly program. Uh, check this out. Reverend Graham, why do you think the world will not unite to stop ISIS? Uh, first, Bill, I think it's important for Muslims that are watching this program know that we love them and pray for them, and we'll, I want Muslims everywhere to know that God loves them, and he sent his son from heaven to this earth, Jesus Christ, for them. Now, there's a good way to get the opposition on your side. Y you know you know that religion you believe in? Well, it's really a, it's a crock, and you should really listen to me. Can you imagine if a representative from the Muslim community went on there and said, yeah, first, Bill, before we get started, uh, you Christians out there, what you believe is full of shit, and you should l listen to me. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, now listen to the one I'm going to talk to you about, about this important issue. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. That earns you a... What kind of nonsense is that? The reverend's not done, though. And, and Bill, the, the, one of the problems that we have in the West uh, is that our governments, uh, especially in, in Washington, has been infiltrated uh, by Muslims who are advising the White House. Okay, this guy's father was regularly in the Nixon White House, and I believe the Reagan White House as well. But do go on, sir. Uh, who I think are, are part of the problem. And we see this also in Western Europe. Uh, they have gotten into, into the halls of power. Now, when you and say, are, when you say Muslims, give me some names in Washington. I don't know any Muslim advisors to President Obama. Do you have any names? Whoa, Bill O'Reilly pushing back, actually asking for some facts and some names. And uh, this is kind of catches uh, the Reverend off guard. I, I can get those for you, Bill, uh, but I, I do know that they are there, and I've been told this by a number of people, that, that the influence, I'm not saying they're sitting next to the president whispering in his ear, but they are in the halls, and they are speaking well, to the staffers, and they are care in those groups too. Lobby. So they're not actually in the president's ear, per se, you know, not like Billy Graham was with President Nixon or President Reagan. They're not actually in President Obama's ear. They're out in the halls. They're out in the hallway there. So I, I picture the White House... Uh, you know, the president's having a meeting, and then, and all these Muslim lobbyists are out in the hallway, and they're saying, oh, hey, if you're going in there, could you tell the president to quit bombing the crap out of our wedding parties over in Pakistan? <laughs> that would be great. Thank you so much. So uh, it, it's it's a, a bunch of, of, of nonsense, of course. And, and then O'Reilly, he implies we should be, you know, doing more to we get world's got to get together and, and fight ISIS. And I'm not the first one to say this. Uh, Jimmy Dore and Bill Maher have been saying this for months now, is that, you know, it's, it's time that the other Middle Eastern countries get together and take care of this themselves. And, and in fact, uh, Bill Maher made a great point on his show last week. He said that, uh, you know, the one time all the Arab nations get together was to fight Israel. Okay, so they're 0-3. But I think they can probably handle ISIS. And this is why I think they can handle ISIS. 
because uh, with ISIS and all their talk and all their propaganda and YouTube videos, uh, you know, how they're going to take over and how they're going to attack America and all that other stuff, reminds me a lot of this scene from Gone with the Wind. I'm saying very plainly that the Yankees are better equipped than we. They've got factories, shipyards, coal mines, and a fleet to bottle up our harbors and starve us to death. All we've got is cotton and slaves and arrogance. And O'Reilly tries to make the comparison to Nazi Germany. The problem is, he even says himself, there's 50,000 ISIS fighters. Uh, in 1933, uh, in Germany, there were 65 million people. That's, that's a little different than 50,000 guys. So, and, and ISIS hurts the Middle East, the other countries in the Middle East, more really than it hurts us. So, it's about time they, uh, they, they cleaned up their own mess for once. A little tough love here. You have to work this one out for yourself, kids. And, uh, and as far as this whole thing with, with, uh, Franklin Graham, what kind of nonsense is that? Mike Lucas is a stand-up comedian originally from Cleveland, Ohio. In fact, we grew up uh, in neighboring suburbs from each other, right next door to each other there. He went to the Catholic high school in my hometown. I went to the public high school, uh, although we're a couple of years apart. We didn't know each other until uh, he was in the comedy business. But anyway, here now is our interview with Mike Lucas. Okay, joining us on GF State Recorder, it's Mike Lucas. Mike, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, my new home. Oh, you've moved. Okay. I moved. Yeah, I moved to Texas. My wife grew up here, yes. and uh, she complained that we weren't around her family enough. Oh. And uh, also, it might have had something to do with living in Cleveland for five years. She had enough of that. So yeah. we're down here giving this a whirl and seeing how it goes. There you go. Yeah, we've uh, spoken for Brent many, many times, and uh, we are actually originally from neighboring suburbs in Cleveland. I from Mentor, right. you from East Lake, and um, but you went. Did, what high school did you go to? I can't remember. You went. I went to Lake Catholic. That's right, in Mentor. Okay, that's right. I'm remembering this all correctly. Yep. Okay, cool. Yes, and yeah, I did uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and Catholic college, and uh, I'm now a Buddhist. So you, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so it goes. Yeah, so uh yeah, well let's uh let's back up cuz I was going to ask about I know you you'd moved to you 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 tricked your wife who was from Texas into moving to Cleveland from California. But let's let's back up a little bit. You go uh you went to University of Dayton um down here by where I am now in Cincinnati. But yep. um what and you st- you studied uh, this new thing called computers back then. Is that do I recall that correctly? Well, a lot of the kids were into it. They thought it was going to be the next cutting edge thing. Obviously, you yeah. know, proven to be idiots. About Crazy. It, but, um, <laughs> it, it, it went nowhere. Computers went nowhere, yeah. as opposed to the comedy choice I made, which is, uh, you know, thriving and, uh, and happening. Uh, yeah, I was an information systems graduate from the University of Dayton, minor in computer science. So uh, I did uh, two years at AT&T. You know, I'm trying to see how uh, it was to be a programmer. And find my boss. I did a good job, but he was finally like, "What are you doing here? <laughs> you should be doing something. You should be entertaining people because that's what you do here." Uh-huh. So I uh, took that as a hint and uh, went down and worked for Disney MGM Studios, did some shows for them, and um, started doing comedy. Um, now you 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 did your first stand up though, didn't? Wasn't it at Go Bananas or was it up at Wiley's in Dayton? Was uh, it? it was actually well, Go Bananas was actually called Funny Bone at the time, and. Uh, some of my friends at AT&T were like, uh, you know, Mike, uh, we'd love to see you do this you know, open mic night thing. And this is probably in 80, 87, 88. Okay. And um, so comedy was still pretty booming then. And I I, I tried it, but I just, uh, I hated it. It was just, it was so nerve-wracking. Um, 
you know, going from being a computer programmer to trying to entertain people. And my friends would all come out, and, and every time I'd go on stage, I went on stage twice for them, and I, I didn't know you were allowed to do different material. I thought you. I mean, I, 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 I thought you had to do. Um, I, I, I thought you had to do this um, different material every single time I did a set. I uh, was. I was under the impression that it had to be brand new. I didn't know that you could repeat stuff and, and perfect it and just uh. it. And that's the whole art form of stand up. So, I uh, my my first two times on stage, I did two separate five minute sets, and they went well. But uh, I just didn't like it and, and until I started working at MGM Studios and. Florida, I, I kind of got over my fear of the audience then. It's, a, it's pretty it's pretty daunting when you get in front of people and you, they expect you to be funny. It's pretty scary. And then they pay for it and expect yeah. you to be funny. Well, it's even, it, get, you know, the, 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 it gets a little bit, the, the bar gets raised a little bit. So where do you get the notion to try out for, uh, to, to work down in Orlando? Oh, I, you know what? It was funny. My mom uh, actually gave me the notion. She, uh, she cut out an article that they ran in the Cleveland Plain Dealer that said uh, Disney MGM Studios is opening up, and uh, they were uh, frantically looking for uh, entertainment uh, personnel. Like, and for, for my my role was a comic actor, and so I had to. Uh, I actually, <laughs> this is how, this is how old uh, the story is. Is uh, AT and T? I worked at a phone company, and I was able to call in sick to Cincinnati from Cleveland without them detecting it. Oh wow! So yeah. I think this is before uh, caller ID and all that stuff. Oh wow! Basically, I did it. Take my word for it. Oh man, you could get and, away with uh, so much more back then. Yeah, it uh, you know technology had advanced, but uh, you know too much at that point in terms of uh, uh, identifying who your callers are. So I called in sick, and I, I made it, you know I got the gig, and um, that's how it kind of started out. Oh okay. Doing doing crazy shows and interviewing uh, like uh, C celebrities on the Disney stage. On the, oh yeah, didn't you just kind of switch? Yeah, didn't you do some kind of a talk Wild show or something, go. was it? Like a live talk show, wasn't it, on the stage down there? Is that, am I recalling that correctly? Uh, yeah, I, I did. It was, it was, it was called, um, uh, let's see, uh, Superstar Television. And um, we, I, it was a, uh, it kind of put people in video, um, uh, I guess, clips of popular shows back then, like Cheers and, Night show and um, soap opera and stuff like that, and we would just have them act with the actors on the screen. They, they were able to cut it uh, very cleverly. They, they cut it and um, um, I use like the, whatever the cutting edge technology was then. And so they would like, kind of like put the actors on the loop that are on the uh, clip, and it looked like the person who we picked and dressed up was actually acting in that sitcom or in that on that oh. show. So it was pretty cute. That's the only thing yeah. that kind of. Uh, sucked about it was they couldn't get a copy of the tape because they didn't have the rights to all those shows. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know, that's, that's where you make all the big money right there. Oh. But anyway, that was a three camera shoot, and I did that, and then we interviewed, uh, like I said, you know, McLean Stevenson, <laughs> like, oh. all these old time uh, actors. Yeah, uh, they would do Star Day where they would be the star and do the handprint ceremony and the parade and all that, and then we would interview mm-hmm. them and talk to them about their career and you know, whatever, whatever they told us to ask them. So this is right, probably right when MGM Studios opened up down there on the because we had Epcot yeah, in eighty and yeah, it's the late eighties. We have MGM open up, and uh, okay, so yeah, that was the uh, first cast in that, and then that, I moved over to um, Universal Studios, and I was in the first cast for them, playing a, a, a variety of roles for them, and that, that kind of got me over the fear of audiences. I, I kind of okay. when you just kind of get stuck in these uh, shows, and you just kind of have to riff your way out of it and be clean. You know, I was kind of oh yeah, yeah. Kind of challenging always. Yeah. 
Uh, so you think that kind of like is the foundation? Because now you know you, you've told me before you're you're the very uh, you're a, a very couples friendly uh, comedian. Do you think that kind of has is that rooted back then in the fact that you had to start with Disney and Universal and kind of be uh, kind of a G PG thirteen at the most uh, down there? Yeah, I I, uh, I think that, and also just the way I was raised and the way I kind of grew up and, and the way my humor kind of is naturally. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, like I can swear with the best of them, but it really isn't the essence of what I try to do. I, yeah. I think um, uh, Disney just sort of uh, allowed me to uh, hone that craft. But, you know, I, like I've done dirty shows. I've done clean shows. I've done corporate clean shows. I've done TV clean shows. And, and I think all of them are a challenge. And I think, you know, some people will say that the dirtier shows are easier to do, but uh, it's hard to do that and not be redundant and, and sound, um, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like, like you're just using that as a crutch. You know, that, yeah, some guys are really good at that, and some guys aren't. So, uh, Brian Regan once told me that he 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 likes watching uh, dirty comedy. That's fine, but when he does it, it just sounds weird to him. And same thing with Gaffigan. Gaffigan yeah. is like off stage. I swear, like a sailor. But if I say it on stage, it just sounds you know he's like settle down, weirdo, to himself. Right. You know, Bob Saget was like that too. Right? He had the character. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, when he did the TV, that you know he was a very like you know sort of a vanilla sort of character, but on on stage he was. Uh, it was actually pretty dark and, and pretty twisted, and, and I don't know that he was necessarily dirty, but just very dark and twisted. But he, you know, yes. he couldn't, it didn't come across when he would do TV, so he just kind of changed. But uh, yeah, Brian Regan, boy, he does talk about a brilliant comic, and he's just, he's, I don't think he's ever cursed on stage since I've seen him. No. And, uh, you know, one of the funniest guys out there. I think that the dirtiest Gaffigan gets is like, I teach a comedy class to kids, and they, they love Gaffigan and they love Regan. I say, there's only one bit mm-hmm. you probably should run by your parents first is when he talks about food. And he compares food to the Food Network to like watching porn. He doesn't swear in it, <laughs> but it's kind of an adult concept. But, that, but it mean, is. Like he does it in an innocent enough but way it is where funny. he could it actually is. get away with, you know, yeah, yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah, that's you know, doing them for life. Yeah, the only thing, you know, like, I'm a, like a good Louis C.K. bit. I don't want my students watching it and then asking their parents, hey, what, by the way, what is this porn he's talking about? Or worse yet, go Google it. What is, what is this all about? Dad, what is this porn he speaks of? <laughs> oh, you'll find out soon enough, son. Oh, uh, yeah. So how long are you in Central Florida? I thought you, went, you end up going to California, I guess, if I'm recalling the story correctly. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was born and raised in Cleveland, uh, moved, to, uh, moved to Florida for two years, and then kind of hit the road for a while. And then I was up in Chicago. Chicago was a big base for me in the 90s. And then I went to New York for a year. Um, then I was out in L.A. from like 2000 on. But I was in Vegas for a year doing uh, Second City. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I've been all over the place. And then I went back to when the recession hit, um, went back to Cleveland. Uh, we started having kids. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, five years later, after I, I, I was doing I was doing Carnival Cruise Line for a while. I don't know if I you knew about that. but Did you leave Central Florida to, to do stand up? Did you decide to do stand up in Orlando, or did you go to Chicago and start doing stand up there? I did uh, all of those. <laughs> I, uh, I left Orlando. To go on the road, I finally got enough road work where I could just make a living at it. I kind of put a phone in my old uh, bedroom in my parents' house, and I just turned the volume down on it, and I used that as my phone base, and I just yeah. lived on the road for like probably about four years, three or four years. Holy cow. And then I got to Chicago, started doing Second City and Improv Olympic, and uh, working for them. Ah. And then I uh, did stand up simultaneously, so I was kind of like trying to do two things at once. And Which so, is kind of like the, the nature of my act. <laughs> but then, then you got drawn back to uh, to doing sketch by going to Las Vegas and doing Second City there. Is that the kind of how the timeline worked out, or? 
Yeah, I ended up, um, I was in New York for a year. I didn't really uh, like New York. I liked the city, but the comedy scene there, um, I wasn't real um, particularly fond of it because I, w- I would have had to start completely over and uh, get back in line again. I was doing like, you know, one, two in the morning sets. And this, you know, coming oh, yeah. off of doing some Tonight Shows and, and feeling like I was, you know, kind of at the top of my game in Chicago. And I realized, mm-hmm. well, I'm just, uh, I need to go out to LA and just pitch my stuff. And so I did that. And that, um, you know, I, I, uh, uh, went from New York right, right back to LA, and then I, so, you know, I got like the Montreal Comedy Festival. I got the Conan O'Brien stuff, and um, you know, uh, that, and then uh, that's when uh, the producer Kelly Leonard from Second City called me up. He's like, "Hey, we're opening up a, you know, a, a theater at the Flamingo in, in Vegas, and wants you to be in the opening cast." And uh, Jason Sudeikis was in that cast. And, oh wow! Um, t- some other really talented people, and and. It was just an amazing opportunity to be on their, one of their main stages. And I, I had always uh, toured with them, and I had always filled in, you know, understudied the main stage. But I was never in the, a main stage cast before, so I got to do that. So that was a great experience, too. You know, you get to meet, like, George Wendt, and you get to meet all these amazing uh, uh, Second City alumnas uh, when they come out to see the shows. And Vegas is a nice place for everyone in uh, L.A. to come and visit. So there's oh, yeah. always a lot of... You know, big names coming through town. Okay, but you wind up back in LA uh, and and kind of <laughs> and kind of fall into radio. Yeah, I ended up. Uh, uh, I I met my wife uh, when I got back to LA, and she was really into radio. And I had uh, you know I'd done all the stand up. I had taken it pretty far, and the uh, Second City stuff. I'd done it. You know, I finally got on my main stage, and and I was kind of like looking for a new project to get into. And my wife and I came up with this idea for. Uh, um, an LA radio show and we used all the improvised and stand-ups that I knew. And we sort of did like a, um, kind of like a Phil Henry, um, esque show. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. uh, his show. Oh, yeah, but yeah. We would, uh, we would take like the, the current event news, uh, especially the weird news stories that just kind of pop out at you. Like, you know, uh, man abducts pigeons in New Hampshire, you know, like yeah. a story like that. And then we would have people play the part of the man as if we had the budget to fly these people into the radio show right. and interview them. And then we'd have callers call in and, and, you know, you basically are, you know, shocked that somebody would feel the way that they feel, you know, but, you know, it's all improvisation. So it was a really quick and, and fun show. And we did that. So we called it Friday nights. We did it uh, Friday from 11 uh, p.m. to 1 a.m. And we did that for years uh, in L.A. And, and it just had a blast with it. And um, uh, I, unfortunately, uh, terrestrial radio is just not doing too well. No. You know, it's really hard to get gigs there. So. Once that uh, that gig ended, CBS uh, stopped doing talk radio, and so you know everybody lost their job. You know, from Adam Carolla to Tim Conway Jr. to Heidi Frosty and Frank, and oh, yeah. to Gretchen Luke's. You know, we we lost our job too. So, you know that that left us, and then you know we had a bunch of other gigs that were going on in L.A. And we were, uh, you know, we started birthing kids. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the um, the plumbing of a woman, PF, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 dangerous and fertile. I've been there. And you know, I've been, been probably, there, done that. Probably, yeah. yeah. So uh, we we kind of we weren't really planning on it, but we ended up having uh, our little baby girl. And uh, you know, we've been married already for for three years, and we figured, well, it's, now's the time, I guess, to get this going. And and we just thought it'd be better to raise uh, raise our kids. You know, we ended up having our son as well. Um, and so you know, we we were like to raise our kids out in L.A. Unless you're doing like you know, unless you're like the top tier comics, you know, the top five percent or two percent. It's really tough to make a living uh, out in L.A., um, you know, and, and support a family. So, um, you know, I kind of just said, you, you know, I'd done what I wanted to do out there. And, um, you know, I uh, lived to fight another day. 
And so uh, how uh, you went to Cleveland because you had family there, of course. But I think you you, uh, you had also told me that she also had some family, like on the west side, a little bit, maybe distant relatives. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Her mom grew up there, and uh, and she has so has aunts and uncles out there. We didn't really hang out with them too much. Uh, they were kind of a little bit far away. And uh, when you have kids, especially young kids, your your world tends to be like straight around like your yard is about as far as you get out yeah and we were lucky to even see my, my mom and dad are there and my sister and my brother-in-law and my nephews were there and you know so we, had, we were able to have picnics and and you know really get uh, get close to our family there uh so that was nice and, and you know it, as you uh, i'm sure know the whole family you kind of you know trying to go around the the, the browns losing and yeah. winning and losing, and losing. oh yeah and, it's kind of a fun way to get together with uh, family, and, and you know we had all those uh, times to, in Cleveland, so it was nice. And now we're going to try to recreate that in Dallas and see how that goes, and then eventually I want to just move to wherever pot is legal. <laughs> there you go. By that time, you're going to need it. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be my retirement and mental plan. But you're you're still doing you know a lot of uh, touring. I guess when you were in Cleveland, you were working a lot at the two big clubs up there, and then also touring around the region. Is that going to be the same thing in Dallas, or will you be going back to Cleveland, or will you be touring a little bit more? How's that going to work out? Well, I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm sort of wrapping out of my touring as much. I uh, I'm really trying to work in uh, I'm going to try to work in Dallas specifically, and try to entertain here and find ways to um, not have to travel as much. Okay. I've just been I've been doing it for like 24 years and and uh, um, I need I need a little bit of a break, you know. So I'm I'm gonna try to, um, you know, uh, make a living here and and you know go at it from from uh, a local point of view, and um, you know see, see how that works for a while. Uh, but uh, I, you know you know I'm I'm I love the road. I love I love the comedy clubs, the Acme Comedy Club. I mean. Uh, uh, Louis C.K. just gave them a shout out in his uh, yes. recent email about comedy oh, clubs. Oh, and, uh, and Go Bananas too. Yeah, yeah. There's big buzz here because Go Bananas was mentioned in the same. Uh, and Wired picked it up. And, yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, and and rightfully so. Both of those clubs are like like, like um, just clubs that every comic is just dying to play. Who's who's goes on the road? They're just yep. the best case scenario for a road. Uh, club your gig it's a, you know it's an a room they call them a rooms and yep. you know they just bring in big names and big people you know i mean obviously lucy k can't do it anymore he's just too big of a name but he did them for quite a while oh yeah you know, he's you know but uh they, you know they just bring in a lot of really great performers and and uh lewis lee is just you know and and mike kurtz in in, in uh, cincinnati they're just like they're really fans of comedy and good comedy and creative comedy yep. and so whenever you go out to see shows at either of those rooms you just see some like a real different kind of show which is what i feel like i i, I bring to the table with my improv and my uh my kind of uh crazy uh, twist on life i i you know i, I really bring a nice life uh, I, I feel like every show is a little bit different for everybody so when you come in to see my show you know you, you get to see your own it's got your own time stamp on it so I know you guys were doing a podcast for a little while. Any any uh, notion of res- uh, reviving that, or are you just kind of just too busy with other stuff between the two of you and the kids and all? Well, my wife is uh, she's going out. She's working to try to um, get uh, a radio or, or television gig here locally. That's her her next big uh, step. Uh, myself, I, I, you guys you know with your podcast, podcasts obviously make a lot of money. It's uh, how a lot of people retire. <laughs> it's just off the cash. The weekly cash comes in when you yeah, do a podcast. It's, it's, I know I've done one. It's piling and, uh, up here. That's that's why I bought my uh, used lawnmower. No, you. Get- <laughs> I bought a, uh, a sock. 
It was, a, it was just, a, <laughs> I just a, a, a great lucrative time. So I'd it like is. to get, definitely get back it's, into that it's, podcast. It's the golden but, age. Uh, I, mean, I love any kind of entertainment, any kind of uh, live uh, uh, banter. Is is I just love it, and and you know a podcast you can do at home, so you know I I, I won't say no to that. I, I think uh, it's but it's you know it's a lot of work, so it is. Yeah, got to be something that you really have a good idea for, and if it catches on, you know who knows where it goes. Cool, man. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. I'll let you get back to uh, the things you got to do. Uh, well, you know what I got to do is I got to uh, pack up this mac and cheese that I made for my son as as we were talking. Oh, okay. And it's funny you, when you have kids, you just it doesn't matter who you are, what TV shows you've done, what clubs you're about to do, what amazing things on stage. Like, to him, it's just like you know, I'm his valet. I'm yeah, his yeah. Alfred. I'm <laughs> his. You know, like it's like clean my butt, feed my mouth, and and you know, and turn on the TV. You know, you know there all you the go. buttons. Yeah. You know, that's get, it. Get my channel. So I'm, that's what I'm getting back to. So this, right, was, this was an amazing break for me. Thank you, <laughs> okay. PS. Terrific, Mike. All right. Well, we'll see you in Cincinnati, I, I presume, again sometime. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. All right. Great, man. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for the call. Right. Bye. again to Mike Lucas for being on the show. Uh, I'm not sure where you can catch Mike Lucas these days. His website is currently under construction or reconstruction. It used to be tallbaldcomic.com, but that is now being uh, refreshed and revised. And um, I believe he's kind of getting off the road, actually, as he said in the interview. So uh, look for him at your local comedy club. But I think he's only playing his favorite clubs now, which would be uh, up there in Minneapolis uh, at the Acme and, of course, uh, here in Cincinnati at Go Bananas. But there's uh, and probably he'll be going back to Cleveland, I'm sure, to do the improv and maybe hilarities as well. So be on the lookout for Mike Lucas. That's L-U-K-A-S. And let me see. Oh, you can buy his uh, CD, A Fun Bunch of Guys. You can buy that via Rooftop Comedy. So go to rooftopcomedy.com, type Mike Lucas into the search engine. You can see clips. You can find out how to buy a CD and all that fun stuff as well. Okay, so of course the usual credits. Uh, original music composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, the uh, PF Tape Recorder logo was designed by Dan Coble. Dan and Megan's podcast, The Queen's Gambit, where they discuss the uh, TV series Arrow, is available now on iTunes. I believe it's also on Stitcher. And I believe if you go to the Queen's Gambit podcast.com it will lead you right to the the homepage of their podcast, or like I said, you can get it on iTunes or Stitcher, and then you can get uh, discuss all things Arrow if you like. Okay, what else do we have? Oh, uh, like the podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. Don't forget to use the code PFTR at homeshirts.com and save yourself 10% on some great vintage apparel, be it from Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, or St. Louis. I think I got all the cities there. And we're going to be adding more cities, I think, uh, coming up soon. You buy it from the Cleveland site. We make a couple extra bucks on that, basically, is how it goes. Or anything from the Defunct Teams website, pretty much, we make a couple of bucks on. It's very complicated, but uh, save yourself 10%, code PFTR. All right, and uh, we're going to wind out here on a uh, group from Los Angeles, California. You may have heard of them. They're called Milo Green. They're kind of a self-described cinematic pop group is how they... um, position themselves and you may have seen them on the late night talk shows in the past couple of weeks their new album is called control came out at the end of january and uh, this is the track that they have been performing in and around los angeles on various television shows uh, this is called lonely eyes and you can have a listen to this as we uh, head off into the sunset here and i say so long and thanks for listening
can't call me Maybe tonight 